Welcome to the Acronym Podcast, the only B2B marketing podcast where we don't care about CPLs, MQLs, and SQLs. And instead, I'm going to be sitting down with the industry's top thought leaders, business owners, and entrepreneurs to uncover how they were able to build the confidence to make the leap into entrepreneurship and ultimately break free of those golden handcuffs. I'll also be discussing my own story, scaling a multiple six-figure marketing agency in under 12 months, and hope to be able to inspire the next generation of digital marketers to make that leap into entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Chris Roach. Welcome to another episode of the Acronym Podcast. Today, I'm going to be joined by Eric Hess, who is the co-founder of Social Surge, a Midwestern-based marketing agency. They've scaled in the last five years to part-time, been able to jump into it full-time, and now have a team of 10 employees. It truly is an amazing story. I'll see you in the episode. Hey, Eric, thanks for joining me. So excited to be able to jump into this episode with you, learn a little bit more about Social Surge. Uh, if you don't mind, just kind of give us a little bit of uh, an intro on your background on you know, what it is exactly that Social Surge does. Yeah. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me. I'm pumped to be here and do all this. Uh, a little bit about Social Surge. So we're a digital marketing agency. Um, you know, There's a lot of them out there, but we really specialize just in a few different areas. Really, anything social media related. Um, anything from you know completely being hands-on there, consulting, and anywhere in the middle, um, and then really anything website, uh, website-based. So web design, redesigns, maintenance, SEO. You kind of name it on that side, we do it as well. And then we're in a lesser capacity, we do ads and like email services as well, depending on the fit there. But yeah, in a, less in a nutshell. Very cool. There's a lot of services that you listed there, and for a lot of um, marketers out there that are thinking of starting their own agency, um, the advice I always give them is. Don't offer too many services right off the bat. You know, make sure you get very, very good at one service and then expand it from there. Is that kind of what you found as you've grown your agency? Did you start off with a very much a core offering and then find you could expand it? Or did you start off right out the gate and said, hey, we do all of this, let us know what you need help with? Oh man, I wish I would have met you six years ago, Chris, because <laughs> <laughs> we did it the complete opposite way and we, we offered everything. We were a full service, quote unquote, marketing agency with me and just my my co-owner, you know, I was trying to do everything. Um, and a lot of it was just like us learning on the way with a lot of that stuff too. And just like figuring yeah. out what was the best. So we, that was like one of our biggest just learning curves was like, okay, you know, trim all of this excess out that we just don't want to be doing or aren't experts at and like just shouldn't be doing. So we, it, you know, to make a long story short, I would a hundred percent agree with you and say, really do one thing well, focus on that and then expand from there if, if necessary. I mean, I don't think everyone even has to expand outside of that too. And that's, to be honest, that's what we found. I mean, we, we've done very much, we do demand generation marketing, which is basically, we handle a lot of paid advertising. We don't do SEO, we don't do blog posts, we don't do anything outside of that. For us, it's just not our expertise. So we have never, never really had the need to break into that. Uh, but it's always been a question. It's like, hey, can you do this as well? And quite a lot say, no, actually, we'll refer them to someone like yourself. It's like, hey, like these, these, these guys can do this and these are experts. These are the people that you need to work with because it's, it's, to me, it's more important to become very, very good at one thing and then to start to really expand it from there. What kind of clients do you currently work with you know, when you are offering these services? Yeah, we do. I mean, we work with a lot of different clients and this is something too, like we're working through refining even today. Um, but like any, the businesses that we work with are typically doing at least a, a mil a year. Um, more on the B2B side, we always stay away from like the food, beverage, excuse me, food, beverage, hospitality side of things. Um, it's just not our, our wheel well there. But yeah, it's a lot of more like the B2B, more, uh, you know, kind of manufacturing, SaaS, like that kind of stuff that, that we really 
enjoy working with. And has that always been the case? Did you find that you had a an ICP that you went after from the day one, or did again did that start to evolve as you got more experience? Um, honestly, we we really like tumbled completely into like the healthcare or just the health care. I don't know if it's healthcare or health industry in general, but like a lot of like chiropractors, a lot of uh, like insurance type companies, like a lot of that type of stuff. And we we really ran with that for a while, and then kind of went more into manufacturing and then we found that that's a really good industry for us to be into and then we found from a couple of other clients that like this is not a good industry for us and we want to stay away from you know that there but we we found that just like an established company is a lot better for us because we're not like a branding agency we're not someone that's like super demand gen focused kind of like yourself where a lot of times newer startups need that like right away um so that's kind of where we've found our niche and we just continue to to really figure out exactly what that is for us and I would imagine that the lifetime value of a larger business working with you is significantly larger than like someone like myself, where we work with Series A to Series C startups. Unfortunately, when you work with startups, some of them go out of business, you know, in, in 18 months. Not all of them are still going to be with you in five years' time. You know, have you found that that's been the case? Because for me, there's a lot of marketers that come into this that go, hey, I want to work with B2B SaaS companies because it's sexy. It's what everybody wants to do. But what you're saying is actually some of these industrial companies, they still need the services, but I would imagine that, you know, you have much longer contract values with them. Yeah, you're 100% right. And a lot of those clients that just like are proven, they've been around for 100 years, you know that they're not going anywhere. And that's that's not exactly even just why we do that. But it's what we found is someone that's like a brand new uh, company out there, we just aren't the best fit for them. And we like straight up will tell them that it's just, you know, it's, there's a lot that goes into those first, you know, year, two years of just a company. And it's, that's just not our area of expertise. So we stay in our lane, you know, Got you. No, I, I think that's great advice. And it's, you know, for, for a lot of marketers, you know, there is this almost appeal to, hey, I want to go go to market now. I want to I want to do this sexy approach of marketing. I want to help companies scale to raising multiple millions of dollars. And it's quite difficult. It's not as easy as a lot of people kind of believe it to be. And also, it's not the only way to do that. Now, I want to kind of rewind the clock a little bit and talk about, you know, when you first made this jump into entrepreneurship and kind of starting your own agency, because the agency is, what, five years old at the moment? Yeah, about. We're going to hit six here in two months, I think. Got it. Yeah. Very well, ha- happy early uh, anniversary. Thank you, sir. So six years into the business, you know, let's talk about when you first got started. Um, did you jump into it full time? Were you currently working somewhere else? You know, where were you working? What was kind of your background in when you made this leap? Yeah, no, I I was in finance. I was in the finance world. I was working at Baird. Um, People yeah, around yeah. this area will know what that is, but I was on a private wealth management team, just kind of doing, yeah, I don't know, I won't get too much in the weeds there, but I uh, kind of made the jump from that to, to starting a marketing agency, doing both of those things at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. I, I built websites in college to just help make some extra money, and that's kind of like where I, I knew that side of marketing. Um, and then my business partner, Kevin, is the one who knew a lot of different things from, you know, he was a demand gen uh, manager at a a bigger company. He's been in the marketing industry for a lot longer. He had a lot of expertise to just help me on that side too, but he's also a close friend of mine and he has been for a long time. So I had at the time known him for, you know, over like probably about 10 years at that time. So then I went in with a business idea that I had that was a little bit more sales than marketing, but I came to find out that he was actually working on like a marketing agency that was specifically social media. Um, And then him and I just kind of came together push, like kind of merged our ideas, removed the sales aspect of it, went more the marketing route and uh, kind of went, you know, full steam ahead with, with that side of it. And I was 
still working at Baird for, it was probably nine months um, that I worked there until I took the leap to full-time. Mm -hmm. um, and then Kevin followed suit about a year after that. Okay, so you actually made the leap beforehand, and for 12 months you were the one working full-time, and your co-founder Kevin was still full-time marketing while working on the side? Yeah, no, he was. And we did that because I was the one that was doing and still do like a lot of the, the first contacts with uh, new leads that come through. I'm the one who's doing a lot of like the sales types of stuff. And it's really hard to do that if you have a full-time job as well. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really hard to just be like taken seriously as an agency if you're doing that too. So that was just like kind of a, a just first step for us. And then he was a, once we were able to like kind of grow a little bit to the point where it made sense. Um, and we went for, for that full-time then with him too. Got you. So let's go back to you when you're, you know, you're working full-time at bed and you've been running the agency on the side for about nine months now. Did you have clients? Did you have retainers? You know, what was kind of the revenue of the business at that point where you felt comfortable jumping full-time? So, man, I couldn't even tell you how many clients we had. I don't, <laughs> we, I know we had clients. We had monthly clients, maybe, I would say no more than five. Um, okay. It was not enough money to like pay me. I didn't take a payment right away. Okay. So it was um, just something where I had money saved up. I was like, hey, like, I want to make a true run at this. And I'm kind of the, yeah. more of the risk taker in general, just in Kevin and I's relationship. So I was like, hey, okay. let me just like take a crack at this. Like, I think that at that time, I thought doing a lot of like cold sales was going to be the way that we would grow our business. And we, we both agreed on that and say, hey, let me try that. Let's see what will happen of that. And let's kind of let's just go from there. So I didn't take a, a paycheck for I don't even I couldn't tell you how long, but I was bartending on the side, too on the okay. like weekends so to help make some money there and then just kind of using my savings to to try and see that's crack the, at it. that's the story that i feel is not publicly publicly shown by enough companies when you do get started it's not like you just jump and say hey i'm going to start an agency and then i'm going to be able to do this you know full time there is this bridging the gap time frame for me you know i looked at it and said listen i'm going to give myself six months to basically match my income in terms of monthly income or I'm going to go and find a job somewhere else. And at the time, you know, I was making just over six figures. And I was like, if I can get to a point where I'm making somewhere between eight to 10,000 a month after six months, I know I can do this as a long-term solution. And I also knew my expenses were around $3,000 a month. So I was like, worst case scenario, I'm making 3,000 a month. I can at least not lose any money doing this. But also there's that time opportunity cost of if I do this for six years and I'm still making 3,000 a month, what's the point? I could have been making money somewhere else as well. So for me, it was that six months. Did you give yourself kind of a time frame that you were looking at to really make this work um, before you said or kind of pulled the plug on the project? Honestly, no. Um, you know, as much as me being an analytical person and like and coming from the finance guy, like I didn't have like a yeah. strict, like this is like the, the specific thing I need. Because like to me, I was, I was young. I was 20 three-ish. Uh, I was 23. I was okay. like living life. I was having fun. And I, you know, said, Hey, this is going to just be something that I, I'm just going to take a crack at try and do full time. And I had other ways of making money too, like bartending. And I did a bunch of like eBay stuff and just like other random little things too, that okay. got me by, you know, and that's to me, it was just like, I, I wanted to figure out exactly what that was. And I had a lot of growing to do too. And that grew me the hell, the hell up. Yeah, I, I find for, for first-time entrepreneurs making that leap, it's amazing how much you learn about yourself in that first <laughs> three to six months um, in terms of work ethic, in terms of kind of dedication, determination, and really 
management experience to be able to say, listen, I've got so many facets of the business. I'm literally wearing every hat right now. I've got to figure out how to do this. You know, for you that made that jump full time, how did that feel having someone that was also kind of part time on that? Were you kind of waiting for Kevin to make that jump into it full time? Were you encouraging to make that jump? Or you were aware of the fact that, listen, right now, we can't support two salaries. So stay at the job until we get to that point where we can support that. That's where we were is we basically said, hey, um, you know, we're, I'm going to do this for a little while. We're, we're going to just like kind of talk every month to three months to just like figure out exactly what the next step is. And basically it ended up being like we're going to try and get this to a point to where we can both like take money out of the business, obviously, get paid. Um, and we, we basically ended up getting to that point to where we were growing. It was to the point to where Kevin couldn't do it, like where he had his job and this on the side. There was just too much to be able to do. Because again, he's the one who had a lot of that like marketing brain, had the strategies that he was coming up with stuff and like doing even some of the, a lot of the day-to-day -day work then for that stuff too. And like, I just, I wasn't able to help out in a lot of those specific areas. So it got to the point to where we were there it was actually Kevin still didn't want to, and it's something that like him and I will joke around about. Is I basically like gave him an ultimatum and said, "Hey, yeah. like, I don't know if this is gonna work if you don't leave, man. Like I don't, I'm gonna have to go out on my own if if you know this. You don't take this jump with me here." Um, and he's thankful for that now, but it could have turned out really bad too, <laughs> you know. And we actually it's yeah. the, the next month after he quit, we lost um, our biggest client, which was about like 33% of our income at the time. So that was uh. That was pretty shitty, you know, trying to figure out what to do after that, too. Was there a, an immediate reaction of, shit, I'm going to go back and join my job? Like, at that, at that point, were you paying yourselves when you lost the biggest client? Yeah, we were. Not a lot, but enough to, like, pay expenses, basically. Uh, Kevin was married, too, so he was, you know, kind of cool with, with that and, she, you know, having double income there. But um, it... We didn't, like, say, like, you know, this is going to fail or anything. We basically doubled down and said, like, we need to work harder. And mm -hmm. we need to like figure out why and just like kind of every time we've ever lost a client, like we don't just like say, oh, well, we sit there and say like, hey, what, what can we learn from this? Like, what did we do wrong that actually made it to get to this point? Um, and sometimes like we come back and say, like, honestly, it just wasn't a right fit. And we should have identified that earlier or like we didn't set goals. Right. And, you know, it was none of the services that we did wrong, but just more of like the the, the front end stuff. But yeah, I mean, that's we, we learn no matter what. That's a tremendous lesson for, you know, young marketers that are looking at starting their agency as well as, you know, you're going to lose clients. It's, it's a natural part of running a marketing agency is to have client churn and not enough agency owners anticipate that. So they get to the point where it's like, you know, if you're going out by yourself and say, listen, I can work with four clients, you get to four clients and then you stop prospecting. And the problem is when you do that is that when then when one client leaves, you don't have this pipeline built up where you can be selective. You get into that kind of air of desperation where you've got to replace that client as soon as possible. And yes, there's a tremendous amount to learn from why a client is leaving you. You know, we do exit interviews with all of our clients that, you know, end up you know, a, lot, a lot of them end up pausing accounts with us rather than necessarily leaving because of the nature of who we work with with series a startups a lot of them say listen we're pausing until we hit that next round of funding we're going to pause until the end of the year until we really get that that bridge loan that's coming in you know that bridge round of fundraising a lot of it is based on fundraising rounds and with today's economy especially not everybody is able to raise you know funds in the time frame that they were 12 months ago so we have that obviously going on a lot and a lot of it the questions we're asking is you know how can we improve 
what would have made this a different experience for you and sometimes there's nothing you can do it's just kind of the way that it works out with clients and you know that's a it's a good lesson that a lot of marketers are going to experience as they start working with clients because getting a client is very very easy in my experience keeping them is the hard part i 100 percent agree and that's like one of the biggest things that we focus on is like we don't we don't focus a whole lot on getting new clients we want to make sure our current clients are happy that you know if if that we do that like they refer us out a lot and we get a lot of new business that way but you know the number one thing to us is just making sure that they are happy they're you know we're focusing our time there versus you know selling or going out and doing a lot of other things like that yeah absolutely well let's kind of uh, you know rewind to you know when you made that job i'm just curious you know did you always want to be an entrepreneur did you always have that kind of burning feeling inside of i want to go out and be self-employed you know what made you realize i mean you're in finance at this point you know yes you built you know some websites you know you have some background with it but why not go and start a development agency why not go and start a website building agency like what what made you first of all make the leap into marketing and second of all what was it inside that made you really want to do that and how long had you been kind of fighting those demons to go out on your own yeah, so I come from a family that just has owned business after generation after generation. So it's kind of, I don't want to say it's in my blood because that just sounds weird, but like I learned a lot from my dad and just like seeing the things that he did and um, oh, yeah. just like the mindset he had around everything. So I, I knew that it was always something that I was going to do. I didn't know exactly when. Um, I Like if I could go back and redo it, I probably would have waited a little bit. Um, just like get a little bit more financially stable and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, that... Yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of how that went. What was the other question to that, Chris? Just why, you know, why why did you elect to get into that marketing side? Got Given it. that you had the, the background with the kind of websites and almost web development, like, why marketing? Yeah, no, it was it was because of Kevin, honestly. Like, in okay. he him and I complement each other really well. And it's, like, I don't think I could have had a better business partner or, it's like, still could have a better business partner because, like, literally everything that I am one way, he's almost the opposite of. And it used to get us into a lot of arguments at first, but we learned how to, like, communicate better and everything. And it's just crazy how much he helps out from or We just complement each other from all these sides. But um, we just really decided on that, that marketing side because that's where his passion was there, and he's the one who kind of leads all of that strategy side where I'm more of that business development. I've always kind of wanted to be, you know, business development focused and, you know, team culture focused. And then the website is something that we do, but it's just not something that I only wanted to do ever. I didn't, I felt like that would just be very, um, I don't know. It's just, you don't, it's not a lot of, you know, exactly what's coming in every single month. It's very random and sporadic. It could be Mm -hmm. that you get a huge, I mean, it's still like that for us. We get months where we're working on three websites and then, you know, three months down the road, we don't see one for another month. And I don't know, we're okay with that, you know? So it's, it was just more of a project. Totally. It's very project-based with, uh, yeah, because I, I run a software development agency before that, and same thing, you get a land a project for a quarter million dollars, but then the next month you'd get nothing. And yes, it takes, you know, six to nine months to build out that project. You know, you had some kind of ability to kind of forecast out the cash flow with that, but to run an agency on that was very, very difficult. The reason I, I much prefer marketing is monthly retainers. So it's guaranteed every month. You know, it allows you to you know, scale much more easily. Um, in terms of the pricing models that you do, do you have advice for marketers that are starting off? Like, do you prefer to do hourly work? Do you do monthly retainers? Do you do uh, commission only? Like, how does that work for the kind of the way you work with clients? I think it, I, I mean, I'll have some advice to it, but I, I think it's really like person by person because... We, we've tried commission-based before and we just didn't like it. Like it, it was 
to make a long story short, like we did a lot of just awesome work for someone and like, you know, sales don't always come right away. And like we didn't have it correctly, like in our commissioned contract where all of these things that came through nine months later, like then we had lost a client by then. And it's like, cool, you know, we were able to even just prove that all of that was a direct impact there. But yeah. Um, so that's maybe it's just like that couple or those couple of experience that kind of left a bad taste in our mouth. But we, we do monthly retainers for most of the work that we do. Um, we do that so it's predictable, so we're able to just like scale better and just like be able yeah. to know what's actually going to be happening. But then it's also, we know that, we, we set that at a level to where we know we're going to be able to make an impact for someone. It's not always like this is the exact thing that you're getting every month. It's more about like the amount of time that we're going to be spending with them each month. And like mm -hmm. to even add to the last question, like why not a just design agency or web design agency is that we offer different services. It's not just one thing. So we know that we can make an impact in multiple different areas depending on like what exactly is needed at that specific time. So like we're able to really focus heavily on SEO one month and maybe the next month we're kind of changing what the focus is a little bit. Um, but like we're, we're able to just kind of help out from a, a wide variety of things there. And then like, again, we set that base level of what that retainer is. And if we go over that, then we do hourly rates for that. Um, but we, oh, yeah. we give the clients a little bit of a break on that retainer amount too. So then we know consistency is easier for us and we want them to be able to be rewarded for that too. Yeah, absolutely. I think for, for me, retainers are a no brainer. I mean, that's the way every agency should be doing it. Hourly work is, is fine. I think a lot of earlier marketers, are attracted by the fact you can charge 150 200 an hour to do something but at the same time you got to track those hours so every hour you work you're only really it's taking you an hour and 15 to track an hour's worth of work so it's there there is a little bit of an overflow with that that uh, you know for me was just not a good fit you know i don't like to be held to a certain amount of hours that i have to work with a client you know in any given day or week i like to have that flexibility i, I did a couple of hourly projects at the beginning and I just hated it. I remember I brought on a client, did 10 hours, made $1,500 and then fired them. I was like, this is just not a good fit for me. Like this is either pay my retainer or don't. And they didn't want to, they wanted to keep on hourly. I said, listen, this, this just isn't a great fit for me. One of the things that you and Kevin have managed to solve, which is by no means an easy problem to solve because there are very few agencies that actually managed to get to the point where you are at right now. You've scaled, you've brought on full-time employees underneath you. You've got past the point of just you and Kevin and maybe a subcontractor. I have a team of subcontractors right now. How did you get to that point where you said, let's bring on full-time employees and we want to build an actual team and a company rather than just your and you know yours and Kevin's business where you two work and you keep all the profits. Like, what was the attraction to doing that? Yeah, I think, I mean, there's, there's a lot that went into that decision, too, because like, that was a, a little bit of a point of friction like for us trying to figure that out right away, too, because we were kind of going back and forth, and one of us felt stronger one way, one of the other way on you know consultants and just kind of going that way and using a lot of contractors for that, or contractors, not consultants, but then other you know, kind of pushing more on that employee route. And we ended up kind of saying that we want to build a team and have team members because it's not just with, with the contractor, you know, you get the work that you want, you know that it's going to be good, you know, all that kind of stuff, but there's nothing else outside of that. You know, there's not the other things like the ability to, to have them help out with other things that you may need help out with, you know, just like team culture type things and a lot of other growing the business type uh, things, processes, all these other things. Um, and it, it's really nice to just be able to have that team to, um, really just have a lot of different perspectives on a lot of different things, which sometimes they're out of their, uh, like the hat that they should be wearing. They're wearing multiple hats. Um, but we, you know, we really just went that way and we went that way earlier than we should have 
and we took a little bit of a pay cut to hire our first full-time team member. And then we've always hired ahead of growth and whether or not that's the right thing to do, um, we do that. So then we're not sitting there and like incredibly swamped, everyone's working too much. And then it's like, yeah. oh shit, we need to go higher. Um, so we always do that early. And then with the re big reason that we're just continuing to do that is just like to have a, a full team there to make sure that everyone enjoys what they're doing from that side. Um, and to, to be able to just like build an entire, you know, ecosystem that we're able to do and have more offerings. So it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's easy to have um, just kind of like one person running, being really, really good at something. But at the end of the day, like then that one person has to be working always, you know, yeah. at the end of the day, like there's other things that we can be doing that aren't just like the day-to-day -day work. We're going to take a quick moment to pause this episode and thank our sponsors. First, we've got the first sponsor, which is True Classic, the clothing company. As you all know from all of my content, I've been wearing True Classic for the last 18 months, and it truly is the staple of my wardrobe. What I find is that a lot of the clothes that I buy previously were all too baggy. They didn't fit right. The best part about True Classic, not only is it incredibly soft, but for those of you that have broader shoulders, that have larger arms, who just tend to be a little bit more athletic, the fit is absolutely amazing. It makes you look great. And a lot of people call these really the push-up bras for guys. I can tell you, when you wear these t-shirts, you look good. If you're interested in trying True Classic, there's going to be a link in the description of this episode. There's going to be my personal link, or you can go to trueclassics.com com slash the Chris Roach. Go ahead, check out the store. I guarantee you, you will not be sorry if you start wearing True Classics. If you do end up purchasing them, please let me know what you purchased. I'm curious to hear feedback. Moving on to our second sponsor, which is the Independent Marketer, which is an online course and community that I've created to be able to teach digital marketers how to go out and break out of the golden handcuffs and ultimately launch either their own freelancing career or build it into their own digital marketing agency. In the description, there's going to be a link to that course. And as a thank you for listening to this podcast, there's going to be a special $100 discount on that course as well. If you do have any questions on that, please feel free to reach out to me directly or shoot me a message on LinkedIn. Back to the episode. Um, so at what point did you realize you were ready to bring on that first employee? It sounds like you brought them on a little bit earlier. You had to take a pay cut to do that. Can you talk about not only the workload that yourself and Kevin had, but also revenue that you were at with the business where you said, let's bring on a full-time employee to come and help and do this. And how confident were you in their ability to stay on as a full-time employee? Because right now there's layoffs everywhere. I mean, anybody can hire somebody and let them go in a month's time. Anybody can hire somebody and let them go in six months. Every tech company in the world is proving just how unstable full-time jobs are. How confident were you in your ability to actually maintain that person? Was that a risk you were taking or was it a case of, listen, I'm not going to take a pay cut right now until we get to the point where we're stable. Yeah. Um, it was a, it was an interesting decision and there's a lot to it, but we basically got to the point where we like, we're doing so much that we couldn't focus on the other things to like grow our, our business. And like, we were working with a lot of, like, and we, we probably should have done it a little bit differently and maybe gotten rid of some of like the clients that were taking too much of our time and like we weren't charging enough and stuff like that. But we basically got to that point to where we did hire that person and we got incredibly lucky. Uh, Maddie was our first full-time team member and she's mm -hmm. been here now just, she just hit, it's like two mo two years and a month that she's been here. So it was oh, right wow. in COVID. And um, we got really, really lucky that she was able to do as many things as well as she was able to. Uh, she compliments me and Kevin really well too because she yeah. does a really good job of like keeping us organized and on top of things. And something that I didn't really realize that was going to be as helpful as it was, was like 
when it's me and Kevin, just us two, no one else, it's like you don't have to be really accountable to anyone else. Like you don't have to be like show up every day if you don't need to. You know, if you have a really light day, it's like, hey, you know what? I'm gonna take it kind of easy today. But yeah. if it's if you have someone like a full time uh, just team member like that, like I, both of us have to show up every day. We have to make sure that we're there, we're present, that we're giving our 100 percent and like just setting the leading by example. And that right there, I think, is what like really started our our just snowball of growth that we've had mm -hmm. um and that's yeah i don't know I, that, that was like just huge right there but as far as just like revenue and stuff like that we were it was earlier than we should have from well, quote unquote like earlier than we were able to afford so we both mm -hmm. took a little bit of a pay cut there we were not like super confident that it was gonna like we were gonna be able to keep her like we were confident in our ability to grow and like everything there but if we would have lost two clients like it would have been that okay we're struggling now um which was a very real possibility with being like COVID and like it was then so i don't mean i'm very happy with what we did there and i think that we made the right decision and it helped us out in a lot of just like other ways that i won't even just like go into all the details of but just having another person that's looking at things from a different perspective and just like the the overall skill that she brought to the team too it's we're super lucky we got lucky with her Yes, it sounds like it, it worked out very, very well. And it's, you know, I can imagine at the time it was absolutely terrifying because oh, yeah. I've had the same. I mean, I, when I when I was first starting, I mean, when we hit about when we were hitting about twenty, twenty five thousand dollars a month in revenue. I was thinking I'm at a point now where it, I could justify bringing somebody on underneath me full time. I had a couple of I have a team of, you know, four or five subcontractors, subcontractors right now that work with me. And I was like, hey, I could just have one full time person that could do the majority of the work for this. But for me, it was that case of I like to scale and basically descale very very quickly which is which is the nature of kind of the the industry that i'm in um to the point where you know i actually i had job postings i was interviewing i had a couple of people lined up and i was like i just wasn't confident in the ability to maintain this right now i was like it's just for me it really wasn't worth it and that's where again i've always kind of admired the way that you've been able to do that you've almost gone a different way with it because a lot of people you know want to start a marketing agency want to start a marketing consultancy firm to have the freedom to work whenever they want, to be able to work from anywhere, to have that financial freedom. But actually what you've evolved into is really, uh, rather than a, just, a, just necessarily a consulting agency, you're a business, you've got offices, you've got employees, you know, you've really grown this into this kind of mini empire in kind of the Milwaukee area now. And it really is a great story. And I just, you know, looking back, are there any, are there any times where you had those sleepless nights? Are there any times you know, where you had those, doubts or that imposter syndrome or where you didn't know whether this was going to be a positive outcome oh god yeah <laughs> i would say the first three years you know like we there, there's just so much to it and like imposter syndrome for sure because this isn't my industry you know so mm -hmm. it's like talking to these people that are running fortune five like you know they're not fortune 500 but publicly traded companies that it's like i you know how why are you listening to me you know so it's, there's a lot yeah. of that that went into that for sure but um, sleepless nights, absolutely. Like literally and you know, more figuratively, but like working so hard that sometimes that you literally needed to to get something done and some of that was self-induced, I'm sure. But I, I don't know, man. Like there's, there was a lot to go into it to, to get to the point to where we felt comfortable with it, especially since Kevin and I didn't come from an agency background and like mm -hmm. we didn't know how this should be running and we continued to like change up the way things were for the better and just learning how to like make sure that we're able to scale it and there were, we've just learned so much and I'm sure going back and looking at like what the hell we were doing six years ago I 
I would slap myself and just say like, <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? But it's, uh, yeah. I, it's, yeah, it's kind of crazy. I always say, you know, people ask me, you know, Chris, you've grown an agency in, you know, basically 12 months out of nowhere. You've hit multiple six figures in 12 months. Like, how do you, how do you go from zero to doing that? Like that doesn't just happen and say, so, yeah, but everybody seems to forget that before I started a marketing agency, I was running a multiple seven figure software development agency. So I knew the processes that I wanted to implement. I knew how to go and acquire clients. I knew how to run ads to be able to do that. I knew how to manage a team. You know, I had that agency background. So when I said, right, instead of offering software development out, now I'm gonna go and offer digital marketing and demand generation because that was what I am more passionate about. I was able to hit the ground running, but not everybody has that skill set to be able to do that. And it's something that you can either basically figure out for yourself and you can spend six to 12 months figuring it out, two years figuring it out, or you work with someone that has that experience already and they can teach you how to do that. And it really depends on the situation that you're at and really the speed that you need to be able to accomplish those things. When I was starting the software development agency, I had the time. I didn't need to be able to go and figure this out in six months. You know, I had time to grow this. We were making a little bit of money already. When I joined the agency, we were doing you know just over six figures. When I left it, we were doing multiple seven figures. So we had a little bit of runway to be able to figure that out. But sometimes, it's almost a, a cheat to be able to go and actually find someone that's done that, pick their brain, learn how to go and do that. And that's exactly what I did with you. You know, I, I tell the story frequently when I say, you know, when I started, when I was starting Catalyst, I reached out to 20 plus marketing agency owners and I said, hey, I'm starting a marketing agency. I'm going to be based in the Midwest. I'm going to be based in Milwaukee. Um, I'd love to learn more about how you got started because this is not my background right now. This is, you know, marketing agency was very different than what I'd been running. Um, and I wanted to see if there was anything that I could learn from that. And I reached out to 20 agency owners and one, which was you, responded and said, yeah, let's get a coffee. Then we sat down for an hour and a half. We ran through it. And we talked about kind of, you know, your process of starting. And the other 19 agency owners completely ignored me and didn't respond and weren't willing to have a coffee or respond and said, at this time, I'm not really willing to kind of share how we've been able to, you know, grow to that point. And that's really the goal of this podcast is to be able to, you know, very much shed light on this process because it is a black box right now you know too many marketing agency owners are unwilling to talk about the process that they've gone through and it doesn't happen overnight and i don't want to create this disillusion for marketers who are saying hey i'm going to start an agency i'm going to do what chris did and i'm going to hit quarter million dollars in 12 months it doesn't happen like that for everybody can you talk about you know where you're at right now with the agency in terms of you know what revenue in 2022 you know six years into this you know where where are you at how many team members do you have you know how big is the agency at the moment yeah i'm actually gonna i want to just reply to a little bit what you just said there too and yeah, yeah. like a huge reason of why i just said yes to you is because literally the reason i went through exactly what you did i was reaching out to people not hearing at all like I got lucky enough that when I was bartending, a marketing agency owner came in to, uh, to, to there and him and I chatted for a long time. And I ended up just asking when he was leaving, like, hey, man, like, I don't know if you're going to be up for this or not, but I would love to get coffee with you tomorrow and just like pit, ask a bunch of questions and just get as much from you as I possibly could. And he's, he's up north a little bit. So like, I think that he was a little bit more willing to do that because of mm -hmm. just the distance there. But it was that point that when I talked to him that everything like shifted to, like that was a huge learning curve for us and just like realizing how many things that we were doing wrong. And like to your point, like we, we didn't know what the heck to do because like we didn't know if we should be charging hourly or not. No one talks about these things and trying to get that out of someone, like I, I get it. It makes sense to not want to tell like a potential future competitor like your secret sauce, but it's, it, was, it was hard to like know what to do. Um, and if I could go back and like 
actually redo things if I knew that I was going to have a marketing agency. Like I would go and work for a marketing agency for at least a year. So like, mm -hmm. and it would have been weird probably just like that transition, but I would have needed that, I think, like to, to and it would have cut, you know, our growth time in a, a lot, you know, so I, oh, that would be just like huge pieces of advice is to either just honestly go work for an agency if you don't have that experience, if that's what you want to do, or just be strategic and have a plan and do the learning, like while you have a job, if you're not in that industry, like there's, there's so much to, to learn with all that. There is, and the sense of community that you get, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of marketing agents, like you say, don't want to share the secret sauce. To me, there's no secret sauce with what I've managed to do in the last 12 months. It's pretty straightforward. It's a very linear approach that I took. To me, it's very black and white. I'm like, hey, do this, this, and this, and you will hit this amount of revenue. It's a sales approach that I've taken. And that's why, again, you know, I built the independent marketer, this course and community, to teach marketers how to do this because it isn't this really intimidating thing to do. It isn't this, you know, massively complex thing to do. But you don't know what you don't know. So if you don't take the time to sit down with agency owners, that's why literally it's Friday today, every, all afternoon, I've got probably six calls right now with eight, with different marketers who are looking to start their agency. Every Friday afternoon, I clear my calendar and I open up office hours and I sit down with marketing agency, either owners who are looking for coaching, I now coach with smaller agencies, I now offer advice to people that want to start. And for me, I want to share what I've been able to do because I don't view anybody entering the space as a competitor because they're getting, not, everybody goes after different types of clients. Everybody has different referral networks. Everybody wants to support everyone in different ways. Um, and I don't have this goal to grow this $10 million a year agency. I'm very comfortable where we're at right now, to be honest. I like the, the balance that I have. I like the financial side of, of where we're at right now. And I don't want to grow into this you know, huge 10-person employee company because that's not my goal with this. And that, again, you know, everybody has kind of different goals with that. But that's something that you know, people have asked me, you know, why would you want to offer advice to people that are starting? Like, because when I was starting, I got advice that I needed to be able to do that. And when I was starting other businesses, I was able to sit down and get advice. And that sense of community, there is really, you know, entrepreneurship is a very lonely road to go down. I think for yourself, having a co-founder and a business partner is an enormous advantage to have somebody to bounce ideas off. But for a lot of people like myself to start it by yourself, you don't have that sounding board. So creating it as quickly as possible is really, you know, I think a, a, a key to being successful, especially on the long term. You want to be able to get past that six month window because getting to six months is easy. But when you start to get demotivated, when you start to not want to go and do things, that's where you need to have that community that can push you forward. Totally. Yeah. And a hundred percent. Like there, there were so many people that were helpful from that side sooner or later, and it was cool to like see that. You know, I view it. I still view this as I'm down to talk to any agency owner, and if they ask a question I'm not comfortable answering, like sure, I'll tell them that. Um, but you know, it's there's so many different. Even us, if we're like doing social media, there's another. There's so many other social media agencies, and they have specific industries that they work with, and like they're different from a lot of different areas. And we refer business out all the time. You know, and it's because like we don't. It would be very wrong, in my opinion, of us to like take a client that we don't think we're going to succeed with because it's not the best yeah. fit for us versus referring that out to someone that we know and can actually help them. Like we're in this to help people. It is. And that, that's a lesson you learn 
with experience. You, you learn that lesson normally by taking a client that you shouldn't oh, yeah. have taken. And that's, you know, I've made that mistake. I've, <laughs> I advise a lot of people who have been in that situation. Um, and that's a lesson that you learn with experience. But when you first start off, you want to close anything that's in front of you. And you very quickly learn that lesson of a bad client is a lot more expensive <laughs> than just turning them away. Yes, the revenue is great for those two months that you work with them. But if you get a bad client, it can destroy your reputation, which is not what you want. I mean, this is a, you're in a service-based industry. Your reputation is everything, especially if you're starting by yourself and you're leveraging like myself, personal branding, LinkedIn. The last thing you want is anybody having a negative experience. And then secondly, getting to the point of, you're gonna sink so much time into trying to make it right with that client, even though you're not a good fit, at some point you just have to walk away. And that's where, again, you know, I have a list of red flags that I go through. I'm like, if any of them are hit, not a chance of working with them. We're in a very fortunate position where we can be very selective with our clients right now. And, uh, and that has allowed us to retain our clients for a much longer time period, which means everybody's having a much better experience. Yeah, yeah, it's harder when you're just starting up and need clients versus just like are able to pick and choose. I think just having that, you know, influx of people coming in, it makes it way easier to decide, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, but going back to your other question, you know where we're at right now. Uh, we have eight team members right now. We're hiring our ninth actually right now. Where awesome. we just had our you know second round of three interviews that we do. We'll be having them come on hopefully here in February. The goal for the year is to you know we're we're doing a lot around just like like internal goals of making sure processes are nailed down, making sure that communication is good there. The, the goal actually is to bring on about four ish, four to five more team members here this year. Um, and then just kind of, we're going to reevaluate after that too, and just see where exactly we do want to continue to grow to. Like our, our goal right now isn't to stop anytime soon. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, you know, I also don't want to get so big that I feel like we've lost our touch in a lot of the things that we do. Um, yeah. and I don't think that we've got there yet because like, we're still like there's areas of opportunity on the team just overall, just since we offer multiple services. So we're, we're working on getting to the point where we feel comfortable with that and everyone's at like a good, good workload size and everything there, but we're, we're doing well right now. That's awesome. And is the company completely self-funded or did you raise capital to bring on people? No, it was 100% funded. Kind of like I mentioned, we, I mean, when you start a marketing agency, typically, like there's not a lot of overhead, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah, normally um and we just didn't have to see the need for it especially since like we had our full-time position still right away and mm -hmm. we're fine with taking it slower and just we knew we know like we knew we had to learn a lot so we used that time too to like learn what's right what's wrong and everything from that side yeah because i mean i've seen it go both ways i mean I, and i've seen the negative sides when i've seen agencies that go and raise multiple millions of dollars they go and hire like crazy they've got all these and they're you know they're they're offering these great salaries they're attracting everybody and then they can't keep up with the clients and then the number of clients goes down and then they lay everybody off and then yep. you have this and then you completely tarnish your reputation in the industry by doing so so you know again really just kudos to you to be able to grow in that bootstrapped fashion it's it's very difficult to do and again i, I know it I, i've done it with the software development agency it's very very difficult to do you know a lot of people say oh just go and raise money and you know we've been offered capital in the last 12 months i'm like hey we're not interested because i don't want to grow that big like it's not this isn't there isn't going to be this exit for us I and mean, we're we're a, we're a marketing agency we don't have an exit plan this, this is a very much a lifestyle business but to be able to do that for those that haven't gone through that experience who are maybe thinking maybe you're at a point where you're you know you're making money right now and you think about bringing somebody on and you're kind of questioning should i go and raise money it's very very difficult to actually bootstrap to the point where you can get to 10 full-time members or nine at the moment nine full-time members and then having it predicting a 
50% increase in growth, you know, year over year on team size, you know, that's, that really is a, a fantastic achievement to be able to go and do that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it's, it is, I think that there's just pros and cons to both sides of it too, funding or not funding. And, you know, I think you're, better point there was just about the just reputation like we've literally in recently i had someone reach out to me that was a kind of like coaching in that industry and we we don't really help that side of the world too much but we did say to them like hey you have like a really shitty google review like just online reviews all over the place like and i don't know why but it was to the point where it's like honestly you need to just like stop what you have here like completely rebuild and like yeah. you're gonna thank yourself yeah. because this is gonna be one hell of a hole to dig out of and it's just like truly not worth it yeah it's once you tarnish, especially with a personal brand once you've tarnished your reputation very very difficult to get it back you know that's that's honestly the negative of or the risky side of running uh, such a large personal brand i mean you, you connect to me on linkedin all the time along there you know that's how we get all of our clients is through my personal brand but if you then go and you say something wrong or you make a mistake or anything else you know you really can tarnish the business so it's you have to be very careful as you grow obviously a larger following hey we, we are getting a little bit close on time now um we're kind of running out we've got a couple of minutes left so there's two questions that i really want to kind of uh, wrap up things with you know first question what advice do you have to someone who is looking to start right now maybe who's just been laid off maybe who is working full-time is looking to transition maybe they're not feeling stable with their current position or they're just at a point where they're ready to kind of make that leap you know what advice would you have to someone that's in that position yeah, I, I think it's just going to depend on where they're at like in their own journey on it. But like I would say just be strategic. Make sure that you do have a plan. Make sure that you're doing the learning that you need to do, like if you still need to be doing that, especially if you already have a job like in not that industry, like learn. And just like this industry is so fast paced and everything's changing constantly. Like you need yeah. to learn and you need to continue to learn. And if you're not going to be doing that when you're like not like over flooded with work already like you're not going to do it later then too and you're just going to be not do well in the long run yeah no I, I think that's great advice and then finally for anyone that's listening to this podcast and um, perhaps who's interested in working for you perhaps who's interested in working with you um, where can they reach out to you how can they get in contact what's the best way for them to uh you know start a conversation with you yeah i mean linkedin is great eric has you know on there but socialsurgemarketing.com otherwise it's going to be where you'll see just about us and be able to contact us easily on there as well. Awesome. And I would say for anyone that's not been to Social Surge website, um, head over to that. Go on to the About section. Um, the rhyme that you have from the Fresh Prince of, uh, of Bel-Air is pretty top-notch. So I would definitely go and check that out uh, if you are interested in it. it it's, it's very well done. Um, listen, Eric, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. You know, really appreciate you uh, taking the time to do this and sharing You know, your background. Such an inspirational story for a lot of marketers, especially young marketers, because at 22, 23 years old, you know, you said, fuck it, we're going to give it a go and see what happens. And, you know, really looking back now, I mean, what, what an achievement and what a story. So thank you very much for coming on. Yeah, thanks a lot, Chris. This has been great. And that concludes this episode. If you have any questions, please head into the comments where you'll find all of the available links. If you have any questions on our sponsors, all the links will be in the description. Please stay tuned for the next episode. Bye.